Um, you know, I have a privilege to then wrap up the whole book of Zechariah. So we're going, this is, this is the last sermon of Zechariah. That's right. This is the last sermon of Zechariah and um, um, for the last two years. So if you've been following us, last year we started Zechariah 1 to chapter 8. This year we moved from uh, Zechariah 9 to 14. And uh, so this is the last sermon. Yesterday, Pastor Chu preached an amazing sermon. I, encu- I encourage you. I don't, you don't need my encouragement. I know you're going to watch it. So please do watch it and catch because I believe we complement each other. I believe what he said, I will not say. I believe what I will say. Uh, uh, he said a little bit. Uh, he did. He touched on it a little bit. That's just the truth. Um, so I'm excited to bring to you because in all honesty, why I'm a little nervous, just a few days ago, I felt a strong impression. I actually finished my slides. I finished my sermon. I was going to preach. I know what I'm going to say. I felt that was a sermon of God. And then uh, just a few days ago, I, you know, God said, you know, read Ezra, read Nehemiah, read Haggai, and read Zechariah once more. Just read it once through. And I read it, uh, I read Zechariah a few more times and then I felt a, such a strong impression uh, to go in a slightly different direction. And I felt, and I'm going to uh, uh, hopefully journey with me in what God is really speaking to me this weekend. And I want to impart onto you what God is speaking to us. You know, as I speak um, on the, uh, sorry, as I read the book of, of Zechariah, God left one question in my heart. The question is this. What was the context of Israel back in the days? And then it led me back to Haggai, it led me back to Ezra, it led me back to Nehemiah, and one thing came up, which is this, this map that uh, will come up on screen. So yes, so my sermon title is Why Zechariah, okay? Why Zechariah? Um, This is uh, actually what went on uh, back in the day. So in the book of Zechariah, the whole context is they were, the, whole, uh, the people of Israel were, were in exile in the land of Babylon. So they, uh, uh, well, God sent them there to be exiled in the land of Babylon. Why? Go back in our 2020 sermons and you'll know why. Um, um, so they were there for 70 years and then God says, come back. Return to me. Come back into, to Jerusalem and build Jerusalem again. Build the temple again. So Here's the map and the Jewish route or, or, or route, if you're British, right, uh, uh, that, that they took to, to go all the way back. 1,448 1, kilometers. And it took them four months to walk all the way back. So why did they have to, why can't they just go straight? Because if you know the, the geography of Middle East, straight is just via the desert. So nobody will go straight. If you, if you travel with your family, you want to go via the rivers, right? So they go up via the rivers, they went up north, and then the coastal line, they came back down to Jerusalem. Why is this important? I want to show you another map. This is a map of Malaysia. It's rather small, but you get my drift. How far is 1,448 kilometers? It is the same as you start from Kuala Lumpur and you go to Bangkok. That's 1,448 kilometers. Why is this important? Back in those days, there was no airports, there was no airplanes, there's no railways, there's no bus, there's no cars, there's no bicycles even. The best you get are horses, but you got to remember they are slaves. You know, they don't have horses and the horses were there to carry their goods, to carry their, 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 all their stuff, right? So they have got to walk. Now, I want you to imagine, right? When you walk, how many of us, if God tells SIBKL, walk to Bangkok, how many of us would say, yes, God, that's me? 
How many of us would there say, you know, you got to think about it, right? You got to pack up your house. And then for us, you know, my, my, my son is there. I've got a, I've got a little baby. We're, nobody's going to walk for 1,500 you know, kilometers for four months with two little kids. I've got a lug, then I've got my luggage, then I've got my clothes, then I've got to bring food with me. And we know there's no food along the way. You can't grow vegetables along the way. So you've got to bring food uh, that would last you the whole journey. Then I'm going to be afraid if I walk halfway, who's going to rob me? Who is going to uh, uh, steal all my stuff? Who is going to kill me along the way for my possessions or for my family and sell them as slaves? These are the questions that Israel had to go through back in those days. And that's why God sent Zechariah to say, hey, it is a difficult journey ahead, but God is with you. But I called you. Which is more important to you? The difficult journey or obeying the Lord? Which is difficult? Both is difficult. Obeying God is difficult because staying in Babylon is the easy way out, right? Which, and, 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 and God says, God is asking me one question. Next slide, please. This question landed very strong in my heart. What do we do now? In the last two years, we have asked this question in many variations, right? What do we do now? With, when MCO1 hit, MCO2, MCO3 hit, what, 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 what do we do now? What, what is the SOPs? Can we, can we go out? Can we not go out? How do we go to work? Especially in MCO1, when it hit us uh, uh, straight in our face, we don't know how we're going to go to work, how we're going to go to, uh, how are we going to digitize our workplace? If all of us here, most of us here are in business, we're going to wonder how does our business run? How do we pivot our business? How do we hybridize our business? All the older folks are wondering, how do I order food on Grab now? I know uh, uh, all the young folks are wondering, uh, where is my career going? You know, is this a stable company? Is this not a stable company? Do I want to work for this company? Do I not want to work for this company? Do I move? Do I not move? Then all the young parents are wondering, oh my goodness, we're stuck at home with my kids um, for the next five months, all right? That is the greatest tribulation of them all, right? When is daycare going to open? When are the schools? And then when the schools does open, then we ask, what are the SOPs? Should I send my school son or should I not send my son? How do I send my son? Are you vaccinated? Are you not vaccinated? Who is, oh man. All of these questions are encapsulated with one question. What do we do now? And God is saying, strongly to me. It's a difficult journey. I don't know what 2022 will look like. It may be a more difficult journey. It may be an easier journey. But the question is, it will be a difficult journey. We're going to normalize the world. The world is coming up to a new normal. There'll be variants after variants. There may be Omicron, there may be Decepticons, there may be Autobots, um, all the kind of Transformers uh, uh, that will come up, right? We don't know. We really don't know. And everything in front of us is uncertain. You know, I had a great conversation with one of my YA leaders. Uh, 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 the couple said to me, you know, what, the, what COVID-19 has robbed from us is it has robbed from us the sense of control over a lot of things in our life. We cannot control our nation. We can't control travel. We cannot, now we can't control even our health. We can't control our workplace. We can't control so many things in our life. And therefore, we as Christians, we, we turtle up 
And then we go, what can we control? We can control how clean our floor is, how many times our, our, our son eats in a day. We can control our wives. What we can control, we try to control. And that has caused a lot of friction in, in the households and a lot of friction in marriages. For the first time ever, couples have, have I, I see my wife. My wife sees me for 24 hours a day. Last time I've got my workplace to buffer us. Now I don't. So we try to control a lot of things. And a lot of us are wrestling with this question. God, are you in control? God, are you in control or not? Can I trust you with my future or not? And the same thing goes for us. So I'm going to go into the text very shortly. I'm going to leave this question. What do we do now? 2022 is around the corner. We don't know what will happen. It may be a difficult journey ahead, right? But God says, which would you choose? The difficult journey, I'm sorry, staying where you are in a comfortable place not moving, waiting until the world normalizes and that could take one year, two years, three years, we don't know, but you're staying in your little bubble, at, uh, 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 you're not, you don't want to do anything, or will you take the difficult journey to trust God? And this applies to everybody across the board. We all go through different questions, different seasons. Will you trust God with the difficult journey? Will you trust God with your life? Or will you turtle up and stay in your own shell and do nothing? And here I want to go into Zechariah. And then God says, read the book. So I'm going to read a few scriptures. I can't read, well, we can't read the whole book of Zechariah, but we're going to read a few scriptures. And then God says, I want you to read Zechariah 1 to 14 one more time. And I says, God, you know how many times I've read this book? You know, I, I think I, I've memorized the book, to be honest with you, God. He says, no, you have not. You have not even touched 2% of the book. Read it again. I read it again, and God asked me one question. What is the main central theme for the book of Zechariah? Hence my title. Why Zechariah? What is it? Anybody have a guess in your head? What is the main central theme of the book of Zechariah? There is one word that comes up again and again and again and again and again throughout the whole book. And that word is this. Jehovah Sava. That is the main theme of the book. Jehovah Sava. Jehovah Sava means the Lord of Lords, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heavenly armies, the Lord God Almighty. And it appears 46 times in 14 chapters, again and again. So you go back, you read it, test the theory out. You will see the Lord Almighty. So in, 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 in NIV, it says the Lord Almighty, the Lord Almighty. In KJV, it says the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts. It all means one thing, Jehovah Sava. What does Jehovah Sava mean? It means that in this season of transition, now we're all going through transition whether we like it or not. Our family is, our work is, the church is, every part of our lives, how we even dine in at a restaurant is going through transition, right? And God is saying, in a season of transition, you call upon the Lord God Almighty to fight your battles for you. There are battles to fight every single corner, every single, there's 360, uh, 360 degrees of angles. There are 360 degrees of battles to fight. And God says, there, are two, there, there, there is a battle to be fought. It's either you rely on God or you rely on your own strength. And if you rely on your own strength, the enemy will come to rob you of what is dearest to your heart. The enemy will come and rob you through the spirit of fear. 
you will fear everything in this life. There, there is a spirit of fear that is coming through, uh, uh, through the whole world, right? I fear this politician, I fear that politician, I fear this country, that country. You know, there's travel bans going around this place. One country fearing another country. I'm fearing the virus. I'm fearing you. Are you going to give me the virus? Are you, not, you know, there's a spirit of fear. And God says there is an actual battle to be fought and we've got to fight it. But who is on our side that's more important? We don't fight it in my own strength. I can't fight this battle. God says, the Lord God Almighty fights for you, but you have got to choose your side. You know, there's also a spirit of complacency in this world today, right? I'm so com- I'm comfortable. Now that I'm at home, especially if you're introverted, right? Especially if you're introverted. I'm at home, I'm comfortable. I can do everything literally on my bed via a computer. I can do everything in this world. And I think I, think I like it. And then as we go in, and as we explore the world of AR, VR, and now we're exploring the world of the metaverse, right? We're increasing the comfortability of people staying at home. All these technologies is you just staying at home in your own room with a device and you can engage the world. Now that's good. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. Technology brings humanity forward. But I also want to remind us that as we move on forward, what are we compromising in the process? And we're all complacent. We're saying, you know, we don't have to do so much anymore because, hey, you know, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable where we are. And the moment we say that, God will challenge your comfortability. God will bring you out of your comfort zone. You know, in these two years, God has brought me out of my comfort zone so many times. And if I have five hours with you, I can tell you almost all my stories of how God is uh, uh, teaching me. And you know what the most important lesson God is teaching me in this season? Is to know which battle to fight and when, and how, and who. And I, I, well, I, I, like I don't mean to go this way right now, but I can't, I can't tell you all my stories. But, you know, um, okay, I can tell you one. Where's my wife? She's not here. Hallelujah, right? I, uh, um, um, oh, there, oh, she's there. Okay, I, I, shall look, I shall preach to this corner of the sanctuary for a little while. All right, I didn't get her approval, but I think she's okay. But if she's not, um, can somebody lend me a room uh, for tonight? Is that okay? Okay, um, you know, during the MCO, I, 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 every, every, every marriage, every couple will go through uh, uh, disagreements, right? Every couple will go through, hey, you know, uh, 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 you're, you're sleeping too much on my side of the bed or something, you know, give me my space, something like that. You know, we're stuck in the same house. So, of course, we've got our fair share of disagreements uh, this year. You know, she's, uh, there are certain decisions that are pressing that we need you to make. Should we send our son to daycare? Should we sign up for this daycare, that daycare? There's so many decisions amidst the myriad of the work decisions that I have to make and the myriad of the ministry decisions that I have to make, I have to also to make decisions, so I put this one off. And of course, um, that didn't sit well with my wife, so I'm just here to declare, so now I'm facing here, you're 100% right, I'm wrong, and then I'll, now I'll talk to you for a little while, is that okay? Um, um, that's the caveat, that's the caveat, okay? Um, so yeah, of course, she's right. We have to make these decisions that are good for the family. Of course, you're the head of the family, make the decisions. Come on, man, right? You know, but of course, I have all these battles to fight and God just, you know, just one fine day um, in all the battles that I had to fight, I, I couldn't take it. I was like, wow, there's so many. I've got, I, I listed down all the questions and I, I realized I've got about 70 questions I need to answer. So I sat down with God. I remember it was late at night. I said, okay, the children are asleep. My wife is okay in her room. I'm just going to go to my room. I'm going to be with you, God. And then God says, you've got 70 different questions. You have 70 different problems to answer. Now I need you to understand when to answer the problem, how to answer the problem, 
and who to answer the problem with and, and, and what is the answer for these problems. And I say, God, you have to teach me. And God says, you did this wrong. You answered, you, you, you tried to solve this problem too fast. Chill out. This is more pressing than this one. I said, oh, wow, okay, God, I opened my eyes to this problem. And, and cut the long story short to my wife. And then God says, don't, don't talk to your wife yet. All right, chill out. And I says, God, you do know she's not so happy with me, right? I, how, how do I tell her that God told me to not talk to her for a little while? Then just, and then, why don't you tell her that, that you asked me to wait because she's expecting an answer now, right? You tell her. No, just, no, just chill out. And says, this week is not a good week. You've got more pressing issues to solve. Solve these issues first. And then, when the week is over, you set apart five hours to just hang out with your wife. And then I said, what do I do in that five? Five hours is a long time, Lord. What do I do in that five hours, right? I'm not a, I'm not a big talker like my wife. What do I do? And he said, don't worry, I will teach you how. Um, buy her lunch first. <laughs> and then we go shopping. And then you bring up the hard-pressed questions because, and then you tell her the hard answers because she would have already been fed and she would have been happy doing her Christmas shopping. And then we do the difficult one, and then we go home. And I say, okay. And did it work well? Yeah, okay, it worked well. Hallelujah, I'm sleeping at home tonight. You know, from then onwards, I realized one thing. That then when Jehovah Sava is on your side, it does not mean we fight every battle at the same time and we fight. You know, in the Bible, King Josiah fought the wrong battle, and he died in that battle. And from then on, I thought to myself, you know, God's not saying you fight every battle, every, every single person that wants to come up and, and criticize you for all sorts of things in the church. You don't have to fight all those battles. You can take a step back and say, God, which battle do I want to fight? And I want, before I move on to my next point, I want to leave this one quote that God impressed so strongly upon me. God told me, and I'm telling you, you don't invite God to fight your battles. You align with God and you fight the battles that God wants you to fight. And you are going to need to ask God, God, which is the battles that we need to fight? Which are the problems I need to solve? And God says, now I'm fighting this battle. And God says, and I says, okay, God, I will align with you and I will fight this battle. On the contrast, what we always do and what I used to do is God, I've got so many problems. Can you come now, Jehovah Sava, and fight the battles for me? And God says, no, I'm not fighting those battles. I'm fighting a different battle. I'm fighting the battle for the soul of the nation. I'm fighting the battle for the spirit of the church. I'm fighting the battles for, for your ministry and your cell groups. I'm fighting that battle. You get that right. This problem will be solved. So you don't tell God, you come fight my battles. Instead, we need to draw nearer to God so that we know which battles to fight and says, God, I am aligned with you. You are my king. That's why it's Jehovah Sava. It's not just Sava. It's Jehovah, which means He is king. He is Lord. And that king says, I am fighting this battle and therefore we align with Him to fight that battle. And what battle is God telling us through Zechariah to fight right now? There is one pressing battle. My next point is this. Jehovah Sava. It's coming up. It's coming up. So hold on. God says, yes, Jehovah Sava commands us to return and rebuild. 
God is saying this is the number one priority in our life right now. Why? Let me read certain verses. Now, these popped up to me like, a, like wow. Zechariah 1.3. It's a little small, so I'll read it for you. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. This is the first verse of the book of Zechariah. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty. There you go, the Lord Almighty. And I will return to you. Next verse. Zechariah 1.16, Therefore, this is what the Lord says, I will return to Jerusalem with mercy, and there my house will be rebuilt, declares the Lord Almighty. There is a biblical principle for when Jehovah Sava says, I command you now to return and rebuild. What is the principle? God says, you put me first. You put my house first. You put Jesus Christ first. You put Him first and everything else will fall in place. And everything else, God says, you fight this battle with me and you fight this battle together with me and everything else, I will fight the battle for you. I will return to you. Don't we want Jehovah Sava to be on our side? Don't we want to declare in our lives that God, not just any God, the Commander-in-Chief, the Lord of the heavenly armies is for us and He is not against us. You know, it was just last night. I read Zechariah 1.14 one more time and it says, God, give me a fresh revelation like what uh, Pastor Aaron said that I have. And God says, you read a few verses out to the church and then you tell the church a few things. And this is what it says. 1 verse 17, so it's not on the screen, but I'll read it for you. Proclaim further. So I proclaim a few things. But proclaim further. This is what the Lord Almighty says. My towns will one again, once again overflow with prosperity and the Lord will again comfort Zion. Zechariah 2, verse 3 and 4. Run. Tell that young man. I don't know who's young in this place, but if you're 80 years old, you can still be young. Is that okay? Compared to uh, uh, Abraham who died at 200 plus, you're still young. Run. Tell that young man. Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of men and livestock in it and I will be a wall of fire around it. And God says, look at two words. The word in chapter 1 is towns. The word in chapter 2 is city. I said, what is the point of this? God is saying, when I called you to return and rebuild the house of God, it is not for nothing because through the house of God, the light of God will shine and God will bless your towns and God will bless your families and God will bless your city. He does not just want to build a wall of fire around the church. No, 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 no. He's going to build a wall of fire around Kuala Lumpur and then it's going to be around Malaysia and God says, we, I can only come and be the light to your town and to your city and I can cause you to overflow with prosperity. He didn't say, I'm going to cause you to be prosperous. He says, I'm going to cause you to be overflowing with prosperity, which means that you've got prosperity upon prosperity upon prosperity, right? Some of us are like, this should be a Chinese New Year message right now, right? And God says, if you, if you put the house of God first, you put Jesus Christ first, I'm so glad Children Ministry is open today. You, you bring your family to understand what Jesus Christ is number one in your household first. Then through your household, we are the temple, right? Through this temple, through the rebuilding of the church, God will bless your towns. God will bless your business. God will bless your families. God will bless your city. Tell the church this. Proclaim this further. I want to encourage you, church. That this is not a season to be comfortable where you are. When God is bringing the world through transition, God is saying that the first and foremost group of people to lead the charge of transition should always be His people. 
His people. We need to show the world that we are a different cut and a different breed. Why? Because we have got Jehovah Sava fighting on our side. The world does not have Him, but we have Him. And the only way the world can come to see Him is through us. It's through you. It's through me. And we need to carry that light. Oh, there's a few more verses. Why do we return and rebuild the temple? Why do we return? Verse 3. Oh, this is long. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. 3 verse 7. This is what, again, the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place standing there. Read chapter 3. You know what it means? It means if you obey God, you walk in His ways, and He will give you authority, and He will give you forgiveness. The only way the, the, the world will understand what it means to be for chapter, chapter 3 is about purification and forgiveness and, and, and God giving us authority, right? The only way we can have pure forgiveness, true forgiveness, and through that forgiveness, we can have authority by God is what? only through Jesus Christ. And God says, come back into my temple. Then he says, oh, I've got to go. Chapter four, this is brilliant. We all have mountains in our lives. And God is saying, proclaim this to the church. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. What are you, almighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. God is asking you, do you have mountains in your life to climb? Do you have mountains before you? We all have mountains before us, whatever the mountains may be. If you claim Zechariah 4, 6 to 7, the verse says, you will defeat the mountain. You will bring the mountain to level ground, not by your might, not by your power, but by His Spirit. Do you know that in, when the Israel traveled from Babylon all the way to Jerusalem in that four months, do you, read the book of Ezra, do you know how many tons and metric tons of gold and silver they were carrying because King Darius gave it to them? Not one incident were they robbed or stolen from or murdered or killed or taken into slavery. Why? Because before they moved, Ezra, Nehemiah, Zechariah, Haggai had a word from God. And God says, if Jehovah Sava moves before you, you don't have to worry. Not by your might. You are slaves, not soldiers. Not by your might, not by your power. But by my spirit, I will protect you. But by my spirit, I will bring your mountain to level ground. What are your mountains this morning? What are your mountains, church? And God says, if you put me first, if you return to me and you rebuild your spiritual life, God will bring those mountains to level zero. But it has to be you returning to God first. Everybody watching online, it has to be in that order. You return to God. God will return to you. You rebuild His house. God will rebuild your spiritual life. One last verse before my last point. Is that okay? I have to read this verse. Chapter 6, verse 15. Now this verse is encouraging to me. Those who are far away will come and help to build the temple of the Lord. And you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. This will happen if what? If you diligently obey 
the Lord God Almighty. All these verses are for me in my personal life, but I want to release them to you because Scripture does not belong to me. Scripture belongs to us. You can claim that in your life. Do you know when God says, I will send people from every edge of the world to come into your town and, and bless you and build the temple, if you're diligently obedient, you know, I said, God, what has it got to do with me? You know, I, you know, I still have a lot of questions to answer. But God says, open up your eyes. See what happened in your last week and the last two weeks of your life. And I want to tell you a few stories that have encouraged me and I hope it will encourage you. Do you know that on Wednesday night, we've got our young adults baptism. You know, we, we've, I think we've reached max, max, as max as as max as it we can reach. And I was hoping that we could baptize the whole church if I could baptize the whole church once again. But I, we couldn't because of SOPs, right? Do you know, on that night itself, I have at least 10 questions for God. And then some of them came up and told the story on why they're getting baptized during COVID season. And I'm going to tell some of them to you now. You know, one guy, um, sorry, one girl, she told me that she received Jesus Christ during the MCO by watching Pastor Lee Choose 1010 online last year. She received Jesus, she's watched, and she was crying nonstop. She received Jesus Christ. I don't know why I'm crying. She was a non-believer, but I, I watched, I received. And then, she's, this year, 2021, she says, I'm hungry for God. Oh, I want to get, she wanted to get baptized in January, but we couldn't, right? MCO, right? We couldn't. So she waited until last week to get baptized and she was so excited and, she, and, and, and from salvation until now she's rising up to be a cell a core leader in a cell she's rising up and she's getting married to a wonderful brilliant young man in this church and, there, and I believe that God has something in store for them and I, I told I said God wow that is so encouraging to me God another, another story and I believe she's here I hope it's okay if I say just a little bit of your story she said she was so lost she was so lost during MCO 2020, 2021. She was so lost. She turned on to an online service and Pastor Chiu was preaching. And she said, at the altar call, he didn't, he didn't give any salvation call. He didn't give any call. He says, at the altar call, he just prayed. And she was so, and she cried buckets and buckets and buckets of tears. And the moment church opened up physically, she the first one to book the ticket, I'm coming back to God. I'm, and she got baptized on Wednesday. Hallelujah. And you know, and I says, God, wow, it's so encouraging. You know, there's one young man. This verse says, those who are far away will come and help to build the temple. And I says, God, that hasn't come true. I don't know anybody far away coming to build. On that night itself, there was this young man came in. I don't know, I don't know him from head to toe. I says, oh, hi, hi. And I heard that he drove from Seremban to BY just to get baptized. Just to get baptized. And he's in a young adult cell, I believe. And his spiritual mentors were there that night to cheer him on. I thank you. I know who you are. I know you're listening. And I just wanna, I wanna encourage you today, church, that we may go through a lot of problems. We may see the mountains before us. But if we believe in the Lord God Almighty, He says He will bring those mountains to level ground before your eyes. If only you return, you rebuild, and the last part, you return, you rebuild, so that He can restore you. You return and you rebuild so that He can restore you. There are two verses I want to read, and then I want to close my sermon. Give me a little while longer. I have a lot to say. Zechariah 9 verse 12. 
return to your fortress, return to your temple, return to your church, return to your spiritual life, return to your faith. All you prisoners of hope, you are no longer prisoners of, the, of Satan. You are no longer prisoners of the world culture. You are no longer prisoners of the principalities of the air. You are now prisoners of hope in Jesus Christ. Even now, God has announced that He will restore twice as much to you. Zechariah 10 verse 12, and He will strengthen them in the Lord and in His name, they will live securely. Oh, I want to say that to the church, that if you, if you're, whatever situation you're in, if you come back and return to God, and if you rebuild your spiritual life, God says He will restore you and He will give you strength so that you can live securely in the Lord God Almighty. And He will restore to you not just one time. He will restore to you double, twice the amount that the locusts have eaten away. And then the last, the last and here I want to close. You ask me and I ask myself, so I return, so I rebuild, so I restore. God will restore unto me and Jehovah Sava is fighting for me. He's not against me. He's for me. He's fighting for you. It's all over the book of Zechariah. What is the end point, God? You know, in the last two months, we've been talking about Zechariah 9 all the way to Zechariah 14 about the first coming of Jesus Christ to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Why is God restoring the church? Do you know? Why is God restoring the church? What is the main end objective? What is the purpose of God restoring the church? Why is God restoring you? Why is God so interested in your life? Why is God fighting for you? Why is God on your side? Two reasons. And with this, I close. The first reason is, He is restoring a covenant people back to Himself. He, all over Zechariah uh, uh, 12, 13, 14, it always says again and again, They are my people and I am their God. They are my people and I am their God. He is restoring a covenant people back to Himself. We now have a Heavenly Father who fights for us. He's not just King. He's not just priest. He's not just prophet, but He's also a patriarchal Father that fights for us. He fights for you and He fights for me, not because we are more special or not because we are less special, but because we have returned to God and God says, all those who return to me, you are my covenant people and I am with you. And there is a second point. The last end point that God is restoring is found at the end of the book of Zechariah and at the end of the book of Revelations. When God says, in my second coming, when I have fought the battles, when I have won the battle of Armageddon, God says, on that day, holy to the Lord will be inscribed on the bells of the horses and on the cooking pots of the Lord's house. Bells of the horses is workplace. Cooking pots in the Lord's house is the temple, the church. Like, and it will be like the sacred bowls in front of the altars, your homes. Every pot, your homes, in Jerusalem and Judah will be holy to the Lord God Almighty. And all who come to sacrifice will take some of the pots and cook in them. God is saying that I'm restoring you not so that you can be the richest man on earth, not so that you can be the most influential person on earth. That is a good thing and that may happen, but I'm restoring you for, for, for the one purpose. I'm restoring the whole world for the one purpose. Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and the people of the Lord. Be holy, for I'm holy. First Peter, in Revelations, in the book of Revelation, at the end of Revelations, God says, I will install a new Jerusalem. What is the name of that new Jerusalem? The holy city to God. It is the holy city 
with a holy people that we are set apart for God. And that is one way the world will know that we are Christians by our love. The world would hate, but we would love. The world would, the, the world would hold grudges, but we would forgive. And that is how the world would know that we are Christians. What is love and forgiveness? Holiness. That we are set apart for God. You are special, my friends. You are loved, my friends. You are loved by the Lord God Almighty. And the final question I want to answer today is what do we do now? There's only one answer. Have we decided to follow Jesus? It's not easy. The is Israel, when Zechariah said, return, they have to decide. Will I follow Jesus back to Jerusalem? And now, God is asking you, in 2022, or at least the tail end of 2021, have you decided to follow Jesus? What does following Jesus mean to you? What does it mean to you? What does obedience to God mean to you? Ask God. Ask God, what does obedience? Is it doing this a bit more? Is it doing that a bit more? Is it not doing this a bit more? God will speak to you right now. The Holy Spirit will speak to you right now. And we're going to sing this song in a moment. The cross before me, the world behind me. That's following Jesus. God, wherever you go, I will go. Can we make that pledge? Wherever you go, I will go. If you ask me to go to the ends of the earth, I will go. If you ask me to obey, I will go. Because I love you, God. Because I know you are for me, God. Because I know you're fighting for me, God. So all, all heads bowed, all eyes closed in this place. I want to make a call before we sing this last song. I want to make a call before we sing this last song. If you don't know Jesus yet in your life, but today you feel that Jesus is speaking to you, I want you to raise your hand and give your life to Jesus because it's going to be the best decision you've ever made in your life. If you have been far from Jesus, if you know your family has been far from Jesus and you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, I want you to raise your hands because that's going to be the best decision you'll make in your life. I'm going to count to three and I'm going to pray and I know the Holy Spirit will convict you right now. Everybody online, if that is you, I, a link will come up. Can you put your name on that link and our pastors and our leaders will pray for you online. So one, Jehovah Sava is calling you to return to Him. Two, Jehovah Sava is asking you to rebuild your life. And three, Jehovah Sava says He wants to restore your life. Would you raise your hands if you want to receive Jesus for the first time or rededicate your life? I see your hand, sir. Thank you so much. I see your hand, ma'am. Thank you so much. God bless you. Anybody on the balcony? Anybody, anybody underneath the balcony? Anybody else? Let's linger another 15 seconds. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, raise your hand. Say, God, I want to give my life to you. God, I want to rededicate my life to you. I see your hands up there. Praise the Lord for you. Hallelujah. I see your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Can we take 15 seconds as the leaders and the pastors will approach those who have raised their hands and we, we would like to talk to you. But let me give you 15 seconds to just ask God, God, how do you want me to follow you for the rest of this year into 2022? 15 seconds and the Benedict would start the song.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. We are your people and you are our God. We are your covenant people and you are our covenant-keeping God. So I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that all of us, we will always be convicted to return to you to rebuild our spiritual life, Lord God. And I know, Lord Jesus, according to the promises of your word, you will restore unto us what was lost. We thank you, Lord Jesus. So Father God, I just wanna thank you for this whole weekend. I thank you for your service. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the word of God. We love you, God. So separate us now, Father God, with all the love that you have. May your face shine upon us and may you watch our going in and our going out now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we all say, Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. God bless you, church.